many years ago, a movie came out called Groundhog Day. And in it, this prideful, arrogant, cynical weatherman was assigned to cover uh, Groundhog Day in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. Uh, He dreaded it, was ridiculing everybody in the town and everything that was going on. And he goes to sleep that night and he wakes up the next morning only to find out Groundhog Day is repeating again. And he finds himself in the same town doing... Am I not on? Is that working now? There we go. So he finds himself uh, repeating everything again as he's walking through the town. The same events, the same patterns are repeated over and over. He goes to sleep, wakes up, same thing again and again and again and again. And he starts going crazy because he can't escape this uh, perpetual cycle of repeating the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, As we go through the Christian life sometimes, we may find ourselves wondering if uh, at times we find ourselves stuck in a groundhog day of getting frustrated with ourselves, of seeing the same sin struggles repeat and come back over and over and over again. And we may wonder, is there any hope? Is there any way for me to escape this or will it continue to go on and on and on and on? As we have been over the past uh, couple of weeks, we've been in the Matthew's Gospel. Uh, So that's the announcement of Jesus' kingdom by Matthew, one of Jesus' authorized spokespersons. We've seen that Matthew is trying to tell us something about who Jesus is and what God is up to in the first coming of Christ into our our world. Uh, We saw the, the first week as Matthew is pointing us to Old Testament prophets to help us understand who Jesus is, that he's Uh, God with us, God in the flesh, who has come to redeem and save His people. Uh, We saw uh, last week that Jesus is the, the, the true fulfillment of the promises given to David, that the king would come who would rule and bring the nations into the people of Israel. But what did we see was the response of God's people? To this long-awaited hope, these long-awaited promises, God pursues His people. God enters into the world of His people. And what happens? The king rejects God. The people ignore and dismiss what is going on. If you're familiar with the Old Testament and God's repeated pattern of interaction with His people... We come to a Groundhog Day moment in Matthew at this point, wondering, again? Again? Are the people going to reject the work that God is doing? If this is the case, and every time God enters in and He pursues His people and He breaks in like this, and they just respond in rebellion and rejection and ignoring and dismissal, what will happen? Is there any hope? Will anything change? Will anything be different this time about what God is doing, about His work? Is there anything different about what God is doing through the person of Jesus that changes, 
that will break us out of this cycle that we see God's people seem to be stuck in. So if you would look with me to uh, Matthew's gospel. Uh, this is, we're going to be in Matthew 2 this morning. Uh, if you're following along in one of the black Bibles there in your seats, this is on page 808. And we're just going to be looking at two verses this morning, or three verses actually, uh, verses 13 through 15. So please follow along with me there in your copy of God's Word. Now when they had departed, uh, that's talking about the wise men that we encountered last week, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son. Let's pray. God, you know our struggles with faithfulness. You know our struggles to walk just as Tim prayed in holiness after you, our holy God, and fulfilling that calling you've given us to be your holy people. We pray that this morning you would help us see more and more who Jesus really is. That we would have hope to know that something's changed. That there's victory and redemption and salvation to be found in Jesus. In His name we pray. Amen. If, if we think that what we're seeing is a, is a pattern, a repetition in the life of God's people and in God's actions with His people, we're not alone. Matthew sees similar patterns going on. In fact, here we see him pointing us to, to him showing us a pattern of the way that God is operating through what He's doing with Jesus. As He directs us to something that the prophet Hosea says. Notice, as the angel appears and he tells Joseph, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. He rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet out of Egypt. I called my son. It's interesting, this pattern that Matthew is seeing in his reference of saying that Jesus is, or what God is doing is fulfilling this communication from Hosea. Some people really struggle and stumble over Matthew's use of the Bible in this way. Uh, there's a lot of people who are uh, critics of the Bible, uh, those who would seek to, to point out its inconsistencies, its lack of reliability. Uh, it's faithful transmission of the, the person and work of our God to see that Matthew's just manipulating the Scriptures here. He's either made up this story about Jesus' life to kind of shoehorn it into something that fits his paradigm of who Jesus is, or he's manipulating the Old Testament Scriptures and just hunting for something to try to find and say, oh, I'm going to pick this out because this matches Jesus' life so I can sh show something that's actually not really true of him. 
It has no uh, source in the Old Testament. It's flowing out of the imagination and the mind of Matthew. But that's not what's going on. Actually, what Matthew is doing here is he's helping us understand and, and helping us see patterns and ways that God's spokespersons have always pointed and communicated and related to God's people. See, sometimes we think of prophets as just being those that predict and tell things that will happen in the future. But the primary purpose of God's prophets were to come to speak on God's behalf to His people and to call them to faithfulness in light of who God was and what He had done in their lives, in light of who God is and who they were in His relationship with Him, and in light of what God was going to do. And so Matthew here sees this pattern, these repetitions in the way that God relates and His people responds. And in order to help us understand who Jesus is, He points us back to a prophet who saw similar patterns. Lots of patterns in the way that God's people responded. Now, Hosea, if you want to flip over there, it'll help us give uh, our context for where, where we are. Uh, the beginning of Hosea, if you're in your black Bible there, is uh, on page 751. Hosea saw a lot of repetition in the lives of God's people. A repetition of ongoing Repeated, continual unfaithfulness. A rejection of God. God pursues them in mercy and grace, and they continue to pursue and reject Him and follow after other gods. Hosea would see this pattern and this repetition happening so much in the lives of God's people that one key part of the way that he's communicating in his book is he relates Israel to a serial adulterous wife in relating to her husband, God the faithful husband, Israel the unfaithful spouse of this pattern showing up time and again in the lives of God's people. But also what, what we see Hosea doing is he, he's relating the unfaithfulness of God's people and comparing them to patterns of unfaithfulness that happened before in the life of God's people. If you later on uh, today or this week read through the book of Hosea, you'll see him connecting the patterns and the way that, that Israel lived to the unfaithfulness of key characters and people in uh, humanity and Israel's past. Uh, Hosea is going to point and show that Israel's disobedience in the present is similar to Adam's disobedience and his breaking of the covenant in the garden. Uh, Hosea is going to see patterns and, and repetition in the lives of God's people uh, presently during the time when he's writing. And he's going to relate it and say, you're doing the same thing that God's people did during the period and during the time of the judges in rejecting and rebelling uh, against God's call and purposes in their lives. He's going to point and show uh, the, the disobedience and the struggles that Jacob had to walk faithfully and depend upon God to establish and fulfill his promises and relate it to the way that they're responding and living now. He's going to show, remember, we, we saw in, in Isaiah earlier that, that uh, the, the people of God were 
were tempted to look to other nations to deliver and save them, to look to another king to be their deliverer and their savior, looking to Assyria as uh, a deliverer, or looking to Syria to help them, depending on whether it was the northern or the southern kingdom. And God says, the, th the things you're doing now is exactly like the way you were acting when you called and wanted a king for yourself in the person of Saul. You're doing it again. It's a repetition. Hosea sees this repetition and he's pointing out to God's people, you're doing it again. Will you not learn from your errors of the past? But Hosea also, he, he points a repeated uh, look back to God's pattern of relating and pursuing this unfaithful people and continuing to communicate yet again His promises. We'll see in Hosea, if you look through and study it later, that God communicates to Israel now in the midst of their unfaithfulness and speaks to them, reminding them of the promises that He gave to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. A promise to multiply them as the sand of the of the, the sea, and to multiply and make them a great nation. Even in the midst of your unfaithfulness, I'm continuing my repeated work of fulfilling my promises. Uh, we see uh, him also relating uh, Israel's present life now and telling them to consider patterns in the past. Consider Jacob, who walked and strayed in disobedience and unfaithfulness to me. But towards the end of his life, what did he do? He returned. He focused. He, he worshipped and clung to the God of Abraham and Isaac. And Hosea is seeking to point God's people and saying, look at this pattern in the past and conform your life to it now. Of the way that those in the past lived faithfully and the way that your God preserved and guarded and protected him. But by and large, the repeated pattern that God goes back to, to over and over again when he's speaking through Hosea to the people is the exodus. This pattern of God's redemptive work in the hearts and the lives of his people. Not just God's pattern, but the pattern of the people in their rejection of it. Listen to, to what he says in Hosea 2 of uh, God's speaking through Hosea and he's telling about this pattern of this great, the highlight of God's redemptive work in the Old Testament was the deliverance of God's people out of enslavement in Egypt, where he triumphed over the national, the worldwide power of the day and over all of their gods to deliver his people, to make them a people for himself. Listen to to what he says and relating back and, and talking about a repetition in God doing this again in the lives of his people. In Hosea chapter 2, verse 14, Therefore, behold, I will allure her, Israel, and bring her into the wilderness. Remember, that's where they went when God delivered them out of Egypt. And speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. Hear what God is saying to His people. In the midst of your unfaithfulness, I'm coming to you. I'm speaking to you. I'm pursuing you again. And I'm letting you know that this pattern of my work in you, of delivering you out of oppression, of delivering you out of enslavement, I'm going to do it again. 
I'm going to bring about a change in the life of my people. The exodus will be reproduced and recreated. Here, though, the, the pattern that Matthew focuses on is one particular prophecy that Hosea gives. Look, and this is in, in chapter 11. It's the one that Matthew directs our attention to. It's on page 757. This is what he says. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and, off, and burning offerings to idols. Hosea, again, draws God's people back to this significant act and work of God in their hearts and their lives, and he's pointing to the pattern that he sees. What happened when God delivered and redeemed you? Remember, people of God, how, what God was doing. He set His love on you. He delivered you and He saved you. In fact, the way that He related to you was as His Son. In fact, if you go back to Exodus and read in the beginning, when God calls Moses to be the one who would go and in His name deliver God's people out of Egypt, He says, I want you to go tell Pharaoh to let my firstborn go. And when Pharaoh refuses, I will destroy his son because he refused to let my son go. Do you understand that? God speaking to a group of humans and saying, I am calling you my children. I am relating to you with a deep relationship of love and intimacy. But notice how the people responded, God says. Not just when they went into the wilderness. Remember, immediately right after, they sacrificed to a calf that they produced and made out of gold jewelry and said, this is your God that brought you out of Egypt. But it didn't stop there. It continued on. And Hosea points to it, to this pattern of God's people failing to respond to God's acts and works of redemption and rejecting God to pursue other deliverers, ignoring Him, being unfaithful to Him, and rejecting Him. So, what Matthew is doing is, is not inventing something new. Matthew is helping us focus in and see what has been a pattern of the way that God has always sought to motivate, encourage, open up the eyes of God's people by looking at these repeated patterns of the past of God's people's way of responding and God's way of responding. And so notice what he says here with Jesus. Jesus has gone to Egypt to flee from Herod. And later in this chapter, they return. And what Matthew is telling us here is being fulfilled is that this was what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Now notice what we're seeing. This wasn't a prediction. If you go back to chapter 11, it doesn't say, wait and hope and you'll see the Messiah will go to Egypt and it'll come out. 
No, Hosea's been painting a whole picture through his whole book of this repetition and this pattern of what God is doing. And so this isn't Jesus necessarily fulfilling a, a prediction, but it is Jesus fulfilling this prophetic communication, fulfilling this pattern. He's not just repeating it, he's fulfilling it. So is there any expectation we should have that things will be any different? That now God is saying, I'm doing the same thing again. Just as over and over in Hosea, Hosea is pointing to God's people. Remember what you did? Remember what God did? And promising God's going to do it again? Will anything change here? Is there any reason we should expect things to be any different? Well, remember what we've seen so far about Jesus and how He is different. Remember His his birth was no normal birth. We saw what Matthew was pointing to us uh, there to recognize and see is that in the person of Jesus, God has taken on flesh. He's entered into our world. God is with us and He's come to save. This is no ordinary man. The the announcement and demonstration of who he was and him being revealed to the nations. And these magi from the east coming to seek and worship and bow down. The former uh, oppressors and dominators of God's people are now kneeling before this baby outside of Jerusalem. Something different is happening. Matthew is telling us God is up to something new. Again, Jesus is being shown to be the Son of God, and God again is calling His Son out of Egypt. Just as we've already seen, Matthew has been showing us some patterns before. Uh, In verse 18, the, the language that Matthew uses, we didn't touch on this when we went through this passage before, but in verse 18 of chapter 1, Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place this way. If you look in the Greek, it's it's actually the genesis of Jesus. It's the same word that we see show up in the very first book of the Bible in the Greek translation. What happens in the original book of Genesis? God creates and brings into existence a man, but not created and coming into existence the way a human is normally born into the world, is he? And what do we see here with Jesus? The beginning of Jesus as He enters into the world. He's not born in the normal way. Jesus is the new Adam. The new and perfect Adam. What about with what we saw last week? Where is Jesus born? In Bethlehem. Who was born in Bethlehem? It's the city of David. The The kingship of David and his his line had been rejected due to their unfaithfulness and put down, but God is keeping His promise. And he's saying, a new one is coming. The true and better David is being raised up, and it's the person of Jesus. And now, what do we see? Matthew is telling us, Jesus is the true and perfect Israel. Matthew continues to go on with this pattern and showing us why we should expect Jesus to succeed and God to succeed through Jesus where Israel failed. Uh, Here in a couple of chapters, in chapter 4, when Jesus begins His earthly ministry, guess where He goes? Matthew tells us here He's come out of where? Egypt. 
Chapter 4 begins, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Where did Israel go when they left out of Egypt? They went into the wilderness. And what happened there? Testing of God. Rejection of God. A desire in the midst of the the struggles and the temptations that they faced. Are we going to believe God or want to turn back and go to Egypt? And guess what they desired to want to do is go back to Egypt. They crumbled and fell under that test. But what do we see happen in Matthew's account? Jesus succeeds. Where Israel failed, Jesus, the true and perfect Israel, succeeds fully obeying his God, trusting his God in the, uh, in, against the assault of the evil one who would seek to tempt Jesus and turn him away. But Jesus remains faithful where Israel failed. Later, a couple of chapters, Jesus is going to call a group of followers around himself. How many followers does he call? Twelve. You see, Jesus is reconstituting the people of God. Just as there were twelve tribes before that came out of Jacob, now here are twelve who are coming out of Jesus to be this new, restored fulfilled people of God that is going to accomplish God's purpose for His people. What was His purpose for Israel? Why did He redeem and save them? Well, we got to go back. Remember the promise given to Abraham? God said to Abraham, I am going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great so that you will be a blessing to the nations. You see, Abraham's family and his line and the people of Israel were to live differently. Remember, Tim read about it this morning and prayed for us. Our God is holy, therefore how are we to live? We were to live holy and different lives. Israel was to recognize the love that God had for them. And as they entered into the world living, the nations were to look at Israel and think, who are these people? Who is their God? What kind of God is it that gives them such good and faithful, and just, and freeing laws. And the people of the nations were to look at faithful Israel living a dependent life with their God and want to be a part of the people of God and follow their God and submit to their king. But what did Israel do? Israel looked more like the nations than they looked like the people of God. But is God done with His purpose? Will he ever fulfill the promise that he gave to Abraham to use Israel, to use his people to be a blessing to the nations? We looked at this last week, but look at the end of Matthew's account of Jesus' life here. Matthew 28, this is on page 835. Beginning in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is saying, Now is the time. I have all authority given to me. Why? Because I've lived faithfully before my God. I lived 
a perfect life on this earth. I died the death that needed to happen in order to deliver and save God's people, doing the will of my Father. I rose demonstrating His pleasure and acceptance of my sacrifice and the deliverance offered to you. And Jesus says, now is the time for the fulfillment of the promise given to Abraham to happen. Go now and take the gospel to the nations. Things are different now. The pattern is not going to be repeated. God has shown up and he is acting in the person of Jesus. And the pattern of God's people's unfaithfulness is stopping. Why? Because the faithful one has come. We looked at this a few weeks ago when we were in the book of Romans. When God was making His promise to Abraham. Abraham had questions about how God would bring about His promises. And when God made this covenant with Abraham, I don't know if you remember, He had Abraham cut animals and He laid them in this path, this morbid, just really bloody ceremony. Cut animals in half on this side and the other half of them on this side. And what was supposed to happen was the inferior one in the covenant relationship was to walk through the the center of the animal saying, if I am unfaithful to uphold this covenant, then may it happen to me as it happened to these animals that I will die. I will give my blood due to my unfaithfulness. But guess what happened? Do you remember? Abraham fell asleep. Abraham fell asleep. He couldn't go through the animals. You know who went through the animals? God did. In the form of a torch and a smoking pot. God, the king, was saying, this is how I will fulfill my promises. It will not be dependent ultimately on your faithfulness, Abraham. It will be dependent on my faithfulness. And if I do not fulfill the promises of this covenant, may I be the one who am torn in two. May I be the one whose body is broken. May I be the one whose blood is shed. What do we see happening? When when God shows up in Jesus, the people still remain unfaithful. They have broken the covenant Time and time and time and time again. And what does God show up to do? Keep His promises. He shows up. Jesus is the fulfillment of all these promises. Jesus will accomplish what Israel was unable to do to maintain and keep the covenant. But how is He going to do it? By His body being broken. By His blood being shed in order that God's people might be redeemed. Who is is this God? Who would pursue unfaithful, rebellious people like Israel and like you and like me in this way? Going to the point that He would take on flesh and live faithfully what we couldn't? Notice what God is telling us here. Notice what He's showing. Right now, is is your sin, your perpetual patterns of disappointing God, of sinning, 
of rebelling against him, of failing to live faithfully? Have have you nullified God's promises? Will they come to fruition in your life or in your experience? If it was dependent on you, no. But what do we see here? The good news of the gospel is that the fulfillment of God's promises are not dependent on the faithfulness of his people. The fulfillment of God's promises are dependent on his faithfulness. He became one of his people in order to deliver and save us. What Matthew is pointing us to is we have to understand and see who Jesus is. He is the fulfillment of the people of God. Do we want to be connected and united to this people that God says this to? I love you. You're my son. I've chosen you. I've purchased you. I've bought you. I've redeemed you. I will do whatever it takes to save you out of your enslavement, out of your oppression, out of your suffering, out of your guilt, out of your shame, out of your sin. How does that happen for us? It's not through becoming a a citizen of Israel, the geopolitical entity now. No. Why? We don't, we're not going to transfer our citizenship there because the fulfillment of Israel is Jesus of Nazareth. Do you want to be connected to the people of God? You must go through Jesus, the fulfillment of that faithful people that God promised, that He's producing, that He's working. How do we become connected to this people that God loves? It's only through faith in Christ and the work that He's doing. Matthew's showing us the only hope we have is in the faithfulness of Christ to do what Israel couldn't do, to do what David couldn't do, to do what you and I cannot and will not be able to do. We must rest in Jesus. Is Matthew manipulating and twisting and distorting the Scriptures? No. Matthew's helping us see what we desperately need to see. Matthew is doing what Hosea was doing and saying, look back. Do you see the faithfulness of your God? Remember, Hosea pointed them back. Remember how Jacob, in his best moment, responded faithfully? Live like that. Here, Matthew's telling us, look to one greater than Jacob. Look to the faithful Jacob, the faithful Israel who lived perfectly before your God. Don't try to do what Jesus did. Rest. Rest and trust in what Jesus did for you. It's your only hope. It's good news for perpetual, habitual sinners like you and me. The good news of the gospel is Jesus came to do what you couldn't. Will God succeed this time? Yes, He has. Because He has done what only He could do. He took on flesh to deliver and save and redeem sinful humanity. Do you need that kind of Savior? 
Are you struggling under that kind of shame and that kind of guilt? Do you feel like the adulterous wife that Hosea mentions? Hear the good news of your God. Hear Him as He says, I want to speak tenderly to you now. In your shame, in your disappointment, in your struggle, and in your grief. Look to my faithfulness. Turn from your unfaithfulness and rest in me and my love and what I have done through Jesus. Can can you believe that this could be true? Do you believe that this is the message that God has for us? You're not in Groundhog Day. Jesus has broken the curse. Rest in Him and His faithfulness, the true and perfect Israel. Let's pray. God, we thank You for the good news of the Gospel. We thank You for the hope that we have in Christ, the deliverance that He provides for us. We thank You uh, that... In the midst of our unfaithfulness, you have shown and proven yourself to be the faithful and true one. Move our hearts to rest in Christ and only Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.